And what's going on, listeners? Uh, this is Ridge coming to you from 2019, the year of the Chiss, maybe. I'm here with Chris, co-host. Every year is the year of the Chiss. There you go. What's up, guys? Happy New Year. Good to be back. Got a hot epi coming in for you today. Hot. Excited. What's up? Um, so to give you a little agenda, uh, I was over in the UK over the Christmas. Um, do we want to commit to being a certain faith of holiday? Just over the holiday season, we should say. Before. Um, it didn't even happen then. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was before I flew back Christmas Eve. Um, so I'll give you a little update on what happened on my trip across the pond. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the new, uh, kind of over that season and in the new year so far. Talk about some big games. Talk about some manager changes. A couple transfers that already happened and, and some things we foresee on the horizon. Um, then I'm going to fail at trivia per usual. Um, and then we've got a couple stock market analysis prediction type things. Basically, <laughs> we're just going to look at a couple teams and give you buy, sell, hold. Um, and then we'll hit you with a little update on the title race. Cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it. So I guess I'll let you kind of start, um, talk a little bit about your trip. And obviously, you saw one incredible fixture over there. So kind of give us a little yeah, uh, synopsis. Yeah, so the highlight of uh, I was back in England over – the New Year's and, well, the pre-Christmas holidays. It gets a little, becomes a little bit of a blur. I feel like you're really bad at explaining time. It becomes, yeah, it becomes really a little bit simple. of a blur Just when you talk about... What day did you leave, like the 18th You know, I'm 10 December. minutes late to everything, so this podcast should have been done two hours ago. True. Um, but, I, so I was there just, just before Christmas... And I saw Crystal Palace play away at the Etihad against Manchester City. Um, I actually recorded a little bit inside the ground with Andrew Lockman. Shout out to Andrew for, for joining on the trip. Um, but then had to get a new phone upon my return to stateside, so lost all that content. So sorry, listeners. Um, but I was at the Etihad for a, a, probably the best game I've ever seen live, which Crystal Palace pulled off a miraculous victory. Andrew Townsend probably scored the goal of the season. If Not you probably. Goal of the season. If, yeah, if you haven't seen it. Look it up on Twitter, YouTube, your mobile devices. It's top of the search. you got to find it. Um, and, yeah, Crystal Palace won 3-2 away at the Etihad, which I believe, uh, fact-check me here, was the first time City had lost a home game at the Etihad in 2018, and it was on December 24th in the Premier League. Um, I'll just take your word for it. I'm pretty really sure it was. fact-check that. But I think other fact, too, on that one, and don't check me on it because I don't want to be wrong, but I think that was the first time that – Palace has won in Manchester since, like, 1992. It's an oddly specific fact. I feel like you've seen it before, and it must be true. I've definitely seen it before. Um, I just don't remember if it's the exact year. Anyway, like, almost 30 years, 25 years ago. Yeah, that's sweet, since basically we were born. Yeah, pretty much. So that was a huge win. Can't believe you guys were there. Saw you on TV a couple of times. Let's go. Did screenshots and stuff of that. So uh, that's pretty incredible. You saw another game too, right? Yeah, I I went to a, a championship game. I saw Aston Villa play at home against Leeds. Um, Leeds came back and ended up getting a late winner. They won 3-2. Villa went up 2-0. It was a heartbreaker. Um, but we had some bad karma coming our way after the Palace win, so I wasn't too down on the weekend. I just think like for all those listening out there, like if you haven't been to – you know, a fo- like a football match, if you haven't been to, to the UK. A proper match. Yeah, like if you haven't been to a Premier League game – like, a couple things I'll give you for advice. It's not all about going to a Premier League game. If you haven't been to a soccer game, like, you can go to a lower league game. You can go to get a really good championship fixture, get a good stadium in. It's more so about, like, what, what's the atmosphere? Like, what, what, what ground are you going to see? Like, I wouldn't recommend going to the Emirates for a first game. Um, but 
I think everyone should go. Like every for some reason, every time I walk out, like I feel like it's like fever pitch. Like whenever I walk out and like see the field, like the hair on my arm stands up and I get like goosebumps. And it, I don't know why. It, it's just it feels so much deeper than any American sport, and like that's what makes me keep going back. I remember um, when I went with you back earlier in 2018 and end of March, early April. I took my dad and my brother with me, and they had never been before. And I still remember walking into the ground at Selhurst. They were playing Liverpool and just walking out to the seats and looking at my brother and my dad and the reaction, just, like, seeing the ground and everything. They were just, like, blown away. And they watched it on TV plenty of times, but it's just kind of – it's different. And I totally agree with you. You can go to some uh, lower league games, some championship games that are going to be way better atmosphere than some of the Premier League ones, too. So go to any that you can. Um yeah. Luckily, there are a lot of uh, London Premier League teams right now. So if right. you're going to London, there's a good chance to be able to watch one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just like I don't, know, I don't know if it's like a travel blog. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I was born in the UK, but I haven't lived there now for you know 20 years. And it, there's just something about seeing a game. It just is very unlike a sporting event. And I go, I watch a lot of sports here in the states. I go to a lot in person. I've you know I played sports growing up. I've been in a lot of different kind of arenas for. Basketball, football, baseball, hockey—like, um, I—I don't know. I, I, went to, I went to a Lions Thanksgiving football game with my family, and I can't really tell you anything that happened in the game. I had like eight beers and socialized a bunch. <laughs> if you're at a football game in England, like everyone in the ground is watching the game. Yeah, like, I think that's the big difference? difference. Like the the game is the attraction. They don't have all like they don't like the big jumbotron with your music and the kiss cam and this and that. It's like everyone's there for the football. When the football stops at halftime. Everyone goes and grabs a pint, maybe a pie, and then they get back out to watch the football. Like, it's none of the other stuff. Like, there's a lot of cool game day stuff you can do and match day stuff, but when you're at the game, like, you're there and you're invested in what's happening. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I never thought of that. Because for me, when I'm at a ground, like, that's all, all I focus on is the game. Like, like um, me and you, if we're in the stands, we're talking tactics the whole time. Yeah. We're not yeah. talking about, like, what's going on. Like, ooh, check out the girl in row 12. Well, maybe. But, like, more so, we're like, <laughs> oh, man, like, who are they going to bring on in the 60th minute here? Like, oh, you know, this guy's... It, it, we're always, like, focused on the analysis of the game. And that's not just us, either, as, like, intense fans. Pretty much what everyone's doing. They're yeah. all talking about it. That's and true. That's true. Just, I think it's a unique thing to maybe football and just in the Premier League or in England, I guess, in general. Too. Just goes to show, uh, you know, English football from an American perspective. I love that. It's great. Um, so on the back of my trip, obviously I came back. I was buzzing, thrilled about the Palace win. Um, again, if you haven't seen highlights from it, like go check it out. Awesome game for those who saw it. Thanks for watching. Um, but on the back of that, we've seen a lot. We obviously have the, all the congestion in regard, with Boxing Day, all the fixtures there. A lot of games happening over a short period of time. Some teams making some runs up the table. You saw a couple teams like um, Southampton run out of the out of the kind of the relegation zone. Um, you saw Manchester United make a bit of a run. You saw um, City lose two in a row, and then. Come back and beat Liverpool. Yep, yep, huge. Um, so just like a lot of action over the holidays. So um, to give you our – first of all, we'll cover some of the major manager changes that we saw, um, and then we'll get on to some of the players specifically, and then we'll talk about the teams. Um, so with major manager changes, one of the ones that I'm really high on because I've watched a lot of his press conferences is Ralph Hasenhutl. Um He's a new manager. He's from Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig is a Bundesliga team who's had a lot of success over the last – Five years. Um, Navi Kaito was bought from uh, Liverpool players bought from Red Bull Leipzig. Um, Red Bull Leipzig has come under a lot of criticism within Germany for not being a traditional German club uh, because they're owned and 
they're essentially a partner and work under ownership from Red Bull, the corporation Red Bull, which is a huge, huge company, um, have a ton of money. So they come under a lot of heat in Germany for kind of being inter- an internationally owned club because Germans you know, are a little nationalistic. They like their German bread, you know, currywurst and beer teams and owners. Um, but Red Bull Leipzig has shot at the table in Germany, stayed up there. They've had played a very interesting attacking, very high, high intensity brand of football, um, similar to, again, the Klops and the, the David Wagners who have come out of the Bundesliga. And Hasan has come into Southampton um, and done really, really well. They were bottom of the table um, right before Christmas, and now they're sitting, I think, like 16th, which isn't great. But they've already doubled their point total since he's taken charge. I think they had nine points when he when he took charge. I think they're at 18 now, or 17 or something like that, and he's only played like five games. So I'm really high on him at Southampton from a manager standpoint. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a big move. We also, um, as far as managers go, really recent now, David Wagner and Huddersfield, as of today, have parted ways mutually. I don't know what that means. It might mean he's forced out. But yeah, I'm always interested by that. Do you think that means like, they Mutual pull him in a room, they're like, yo, we're going to fire you, but you can make it look good. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually how it goes. Normally, it's like, hey, um, you're going to be gone, but we're going to give you the opportunity to kind of resign so it doesn't look as bad. And, um, I mean, that's probably what happened. So, Huddersfield, 11 points through 22 matches. They're sitting at the bottom of the table. They're he gets eight paid points less. out of the He, he gets paid less, though, if he goes by mutual consent. Like, if he just yeah, resigns. Yeah, we'll probably come up with some type of deal for him. I yeah. Think, I don't know what all goes on in that. I love, I love those moments when someone's, like, they're, it's kind of that awkward tension where it's, like, they're supposed to resign. It's kind of like the breakup phase where, like, you know it's not really working, but, like, you got to find a way to end it. Um, but one person's, like, a huge dick about it, you know? Um, that's I love kind of when managers get like that with, the, with their clubs where, like, they know that they're, they're out, they know that they're being forced out, and then they kind of blow up and, like, look for money. I feel like that was, like, almost Mourinho towards the end of the Oh, it's thing. like, I mean, like, David, David Wagner, like, in his next interview, uh, is going to be talking about, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it was mutual with the breakup. Just, like, you're going on, like, a new date or, like, talking to a girl at the bar after you just got dumped. Yeah, I just broke up with my girlfriend. Totally mutual, though. Yeah. Like, that means you know that. If you either say you broke up with someone or you fired someone or it was mutual. You're not, like, if you were the one that was, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, Wagner would just say he resigned. So yeah, he got the got the sack. We'll just say that they're in trouble. Whoever takes over there, yeah, they got the work cut out, out for themselves. They're not a very good squad. I don't know how much they're going to invest. Would you say January. two wins have in t- in twenty two? Yeah, uh, they've lost fifteen. That's so, poor. They're down. For the, sure. only, the biggest issue is they've scored thirteen goals in twenty two matches. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Palace only scored twenty. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that. So that's another change here. I, I like David Wagner a lot. I think he'll get another job, but it wasn't working out. And I think you can't really blame Huddersfield. Like, hey, last ditch effort. Let's try to stay up here. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You saw what Southampton did too, and immediately got some points from a new manager. So right. And then the last one, um, which is not quite as recent, but the biggest one probably over at United. Uh, so Ole Gunnar, Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't know if that's exactly how you're supposed to say his name. <laughs> it's close enough, Solskjaer. Solskjaer, whatever. Um, coming into United and immediately looking like a totally different team. They're just really loose now. I think with Mourinho, they were really rigid. People weren't really playing like themselves, and he's got them just kind of like was moving all over the pitch, not really playing the natural position, moving up. They've got, um, you know, like Rashford, Lingard, Martial, all kind of firing now. They look really good going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems a little silly because now they start playing well and everyone's like, oh, 
you know, Solskjaer's brilliant. Like, he's coming. He's done all the right things. Quite frankly, I don't really think he's done anything. No, I, I don't think, think like I don't think he has any kind of yeah, tactical nuance, tactical no. influence. He's just got a bag of really, really good players that Mourinho bought, and he's basically just said, you know, go play. I'm not going to get pissed if you take a couple chance, you know, to have a go or take a shot from 30 yards out or try a long ball or get audacious. And they've got so much quality that, like, he looks really good. And so they just look like they're having fun. They're, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hate that because that's no, what, like, but they really do. And yeah, I watched them play against Bournemouth a couple weeks ago, and they put up four goals, I think. And like they're all dancing. Like when without Mourinho there, I feel like Rashford, Lingard, Martial, they like and then Pogba's really immature. They like all just like dance together, and they're all like laughing, smiling on the pitch. Lukaku hasn't really been playing, which is interesting. But those four like young guys together, I don't know. They've they've got a lot more chemistry now, and it looks like they just have like a weight off their shoulders. Where they were always talented, but they're just. I, I'm not giving all the credit to Shulkshar, but like at the end of the day, Mourinho was definitely holding the club back quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, if I look at it, I just think now, the the who's the biggest ego at the club. Paul Pogba, Pogba, for sure. Right? And, like, before, it was always Mourinho. And there are times where Mourinho having the biggest ego at the club actually helped his team, where if they had bad results, it was all him, right? If he had... No, wait, but that's not true. He blames his players all the time. Right, but, it, it, but like, it, it was never... Like, his players were never in press conferences, right? If you look back at the Chelsea team that won the yeah. title um, in, the, in kind of the mid-2000s, like, his team, you know, the Claude McAuley, Didier Drogba years, like, um, his teams were really, really good, obviously, but he came in with this new brand of like dealing with the media where he was like audacious this huge personality and um i just think over time i don't know it, it's grown very stale and then when you have a lot of big egos in the dressing room and, and in the club like pogba's um like de gea like Martial, i don't think all these guys are like crazy i don't think they're bad dudes i just think you know they're getting paid hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds a week um they're international celebrities um and every week they would walk into a locker room where you know, I think they felt like they were walking into something where they weren't the biggest personality, and that takes away from their creativity when they don't feel empowered. If that makes sense? No, I think that's a fair point. I just, um, yeah, I, I just think that some people give Mourinho too much credit. Like you were saying that, yeah, at times like he would take all the all the attention when they're not playing well, so maybe like deflect it from some of his players. But he'd also be the first one to throw them under the bus in a press conference too. So it's just like I think overall they. He had lost the dressing room a long time ago. I'm interested to see where he ends up, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure he'll go somewhere. Anyway, um, a couple of weird things. Uh, This is another manager topic, but should we talk about Neil Warnock the other day? Yeah, Neil Warnock. Go briefly. Yeah, like, spoke out. So they drew Huddersfield nil-nil in what might go down as, like, the most boring game in Premier League history between Cardiff and Huddersfield. I know we talk about Cardiff a lot, but they are the worst. They're so bad to watch. It's terrible. We never say anything good about them. No, they're awful. And they have a bunch of goons. They have Victor Camarasa, this loan from Betis, who's just in central midfield, who's pretty classy, surrounded by just a bunch of, you know, Joe Rawls, Joe Bennett, like, just a bunch of muckers who just go in studs up. Um, anyway, don't like them. But uh, he, he he got asked about um, how he thought Brexit was going to affect the signing of players, which is a bit of a topic right now in English football. Like, it's, what's going to happen with Brexit? Are players going to have to get different permits um, if they're not in the EU when they sign players from different I European countries? I could see countries? it being annoying to talk about as a manager, but it is topical at least. Right. It, I mean, it's definitely not irrelevant. It's a relevant thing. Um, and Because right now in England, you have to obtain a work permit, which isn't always that easy um, for those who don't play football manager or who don't know. Um, but essentially, you have to get a permit for kind of like a work visa. 
kind of thing exactly for your player. Is, yeah, yeah. For, for your for your player to come into the country, and they actually they usually have to play for a relatively. They have to be one of the top players in their national side, or be from a really prominent footballing country that has a history of bringing players over. So sometimes you get players from more obscure countries. Um, who don't play in the national team yet because they're too young and they can run into issues. So like young players from like New Zealand or young players from I don't know, uh, pick a you know a smaller country in Africa, a Madagascar player who tries to get into the Premier League or something like that. Um, that kind of thing can be really really hard. So with Brexit, it is a topic that's relevant. But Neil Warnock went off like he was just he goes Neil Warnock's uh, the manager of Cardiff. Uh, he got asked about Brexit and started spewing about how. Oh, I think it's good riddance. I, you know, I think we're all better when we're not in it. And like, well, that's, you know, okay, what he actually said was he concluded the the diatribe is what they call it in this article, but just says to hell with the rest of the world, and like just basically was like, yeah, yeah he's just like kind of this old dude that is set in his ways. Yeah, that he's like the perfect. Um, he's honestly a little mascot bit, for Brexit. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> yeah, not to go like too full hard. Yeah, he manages in Wales. Like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Not to go too full hardo in I guess it's Britain, uh, but so. I, with. With you know politics and and he might be is there a, you know when I see him even like the way he looks and like kind of his like old face there's a little bit of like Trumpisms that get pulled into uh, maybe okay so this is actually funny but when we were back home for boxing they shout out uh, Brady Kreitz and Zach Mitchell they they were talking about Roy Hodgson but I think more so for real Neil Warnock looks like he is like a witch <laughs> yeah he does or like kinda. some like. Scary or like old character from like a Harry Potter story. Right, like I don't they would know. take he, the polyjuice potion. Like, he like looks like he should have like a floppy sorting hat on or something. <laughs> <laughs> like standing over a cauldron. He's a weird looking dude. No doubt, no doubt. But also um, came out today that he stands by all of his remarks. Yeah. So and, he's not coming to apologize. And, and, and he's Cardiff, just and doubling Car- down. Cardiff, the club distance themselves from the remarks. They said that it does not affect their league position. Yeah. Or to do with the league position. Anyway. Um, but continuing on, Speaking like of, poor uh, yeah, acts really, in the media. Really bad PR moves here. Oh, God. Uh, this one hits close to home. Wayne Hennessy, the goalkeeper for Crystal Palace, current backup um, to Vicente Gaita, who's, recl- who's taken the top spot by storm at Crystal Palace. Love you, Vicente. Follow you on Instagram. Um, hope your calf's okay. Yeah, hope your calf's fine. If you need it, if you need an extra one, I can give you mine. Um, Wayne Hennessy was caught in the back of a team photo by Max Meyer, who is German, um, doing a what seemed to be a Nazi salute. Um, kind of with one hand over his mouth and then his other arm straight up, kind of flat-handed, pointing in the air, um, so, which is scary. Some might say seem to be Nazi salute. Some might say Nazi salute. I when mean, I talk, you to look you, at the picture; it's pretty hard to imagine him doing anything else. Yeah, like uh, when you and I talked about this the other day, you were like, "That's ridiculous!" Like, I he's clearly doing it. And I mean, have you seen the picture? Yeah, I've seen it, but like, I, it's really difficult for me to believe that this like. Skinny, lanky, maybe semi-aloof Welsh goalkeeper. Like, I don't know. I just feel like he... What the hell else is he doing? Look it up. If you haven't seen it, look it up right now. Wayne Hennessy, Nazi salute. And tell me he's doing something else. He said they're at do a it table. On, do right? it on incognito, though. You can't get any ads from that search. That's not a good search yeah, that's to get true. ads they might, they might mess up your search history going forward. But they, uh, they, they talked to... Or he came out with a statement after in the media and said that they were at a restaurant. He said he was trying to get the waitress's attention to, like, refill their drinks. You don't need to, like, cover your mouth and go straight arm to the... It, it was bad. And it was clearly a photograph. Like, he's looking at the camera. 
Yeah, it's and it's and like he's the only one doing it. It's really really bad. Plus he's a shitty keeper. Like just get rid of him. Yeah, and so there are transfer rumors now that Palace are looking at another goalkeeper. Maybe they'll get rid of Wayne Brazilian, and stick with right? yeah Brazilian, um, which is always scary. Brazilian keepers so just I don't know. It doesn't feel right, but. I At think he's not a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, I mean, it, like, well, it's hope. I can't guarantee. It honestly, it honestly, I'll be, I'll be very, I'll be borderline surprised if I'll be surprised if this marks the end of Wayne Hennessy's Palace career. This infamous, you know, Max Meyer Instagram photo. It, it was a, ger- a you know a German player for Palace too. I just, it's just weird. It's Despite weird Jack's somewhat defensive, it might not be a Nazi salute. I want to say. Credits a part of my take, but we are an anti-Nazi podcast. Anti, so yeah, anti-Nazi. Just want to go on the record there. But anyway, Wayne, bad look. Uh, let's move on from that. Yeah. So a couple of really – so it's interesting. We're um, about two weeks into the transfer window here. We haven't had a whole lot of big moves, though. No. I have a few that we want to touch on, but we'll be pretty quick with this. Yeah. The, the I'll cover the background moves, and we'll cover the, the, the main one. Um, background moves that have been big um, – or not big, but large enough to talk about. Uh, Dominic Solanke and Nathaniel Klein have both left – Liverpool to join Bournemouth. Nathaniel Klein on loan. Solanke permanent. Solanke is an up-and-coming young striker. Klein was once an up-and-coming outside back, uh, formerly from Crystal Palace, so I like to follow him. Both English. Both English, yeah, going to Bournemouth. Eddie Howe loves English players. They've done quite a bit of business with with Liverpool over the years, Bournemouth have, with Jordan Ibe and um, things like that, but I'm spending decent money there for some academy products. I'm still not sold on Solanke. There were rumors with him in Crystal Palace. We'll see he, how he pans out. He's a big he's a talent. Big name, big young English name, pretty unproven. Only has a couple goals, hasn't really played in the Premier League. So it'll be interesting. It seems like they spent a pretty penny on him. Yeah. Don't really it could be like a score. Daniel Sturge type move, and it could really work out. It could else. work out. I like Klein. I think that that's going to, uh, there's really no risk, risk there, and he was really good to the top of his game. Yeah. Um, all right, move on. Yeah. Um, we And then Brahim Diaz was sold from Man City to Real Madrid. Uh, which is always interesting whenever I see someone like City doesn't usually sell anybody and Brahim Diaz, you probably don't know him. He's like good well, young player. Yeah, good young player, outside winger, Spanish player. Apparently, he said that the only team he would leave, um, the only team he would leave Man City for was Real Madrid, and he's a you know Spanish speaker, so it's not that crazy. I don't know. It's just interesting when I see players like that. If Brahim Diaz turns out to be a star in like five years from now, someone will buy him back to the Premier League. It could be. You know, uh, one of those things where like Man City get away, but then again, Chelsea does that every year. So yeah, nineteen-year-old young guy won't play right away in Real Madrid, but I mean, you'll see his name in a couple of years for sure. I'm certain of that. Uh, Big talent. So that's interesting. Um, After that, we had two other ones. We want or two, three other ones. I guess we want to mention Cesc Fabregas leaving Chelsea, going to Monaco, playing for. His former teammate, Thierry Henry, they actually played at Arsenal together Yes, back in the day. Um, so, Fabregas, towards the end of his career, not really getting into the mix at Chelsea. Yeah. Probably a good move for all sides. For, yeah, for, yeah, I don't know. For what I'm reading right now and what I've heard from Thierry Henry, he's a bit over his head in his Monaco gig. He's finding his feet. They've had some better results as of late, but um, I think it's a pretty big job for someone to take on. You've seen a lot of like big-name managers go and t- tackle smaller jobs first, like Frank Lampard jumped down to the, the championship. Um, you saw Patrick Vieira manage in the States for a little while. Gerard Henry, first head coaching job after assistant coaching at Belgium under Roberto Martinez, first head coaching job, goes straight into it. Monaco, big club, Champions League club. Might be in a little bit over his heels, even though he used to play there. So yeah, but um, from Fabregas' standpoint, it's, it's, it's you're still at a big club. You're playing for a friend, so like yeah, I, I just think it's I don't know. It's like be able to help out. There. If I'm a Monaco central midfielder, I'm like, all right, sweet. Like you know, dad's like bringing in his uncles to you know his buddies to come play. Like it's kind of annoying. But anyway, yeah, maybe. 
Um, and then you got Samir Nasri at West Ham. Yeah, so I just um, watched them. He looks good. Yeah, he's, I think, 31. Uh, that sounds right. So anyway, for people that might have just gotten into soccer in the past 18 months, you probably don't know Samir <laughs> Nasri because he got a six-month suspension for a doping ban um, and then appealed that ban. They looked at it further and decided to actually lengthen the suspension to 18 months, which apparently you can do. Yeah, it's actually, it seems like you like appeal. You're appealing a sentence, and like you just got arrested for murder, and you're appealing your sentence. And they're like, "Oh, actually, you murdered him worse, so yeah. we're gonna give you a, uh, more than what we did." Yep, he is 31, by the, the way. Yep, but uh, West Ham get him on a free. Yeah, he's and, a good player, Man City, Arsenal. Yeah, he used to play for Pellegrini back at um, at Manchester City, I believe. Yep. And then he went um, to China, I think, right. Uh, he might have gone to China and then he was at Sevilla for a little while, which is where he got, where he got talk, caught with doping. His story about doping is crazy. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, he used like blood enhancements to like, you know, get certain enzymes in the blood quicker and like, you know, infuse stuff. It's one of those like really tricky, like, because once in a while, like, he was just pumping steroids into his calf and, you know, every day. But uh, Samir Nasri, formerly very technical player, kind of left the limelight over the last three to five years. But he was always a good player in the Premier League, was really strong for Arsenal early in his career, went to Man City on a big move, was kind of one of those fringe players at City, um, and he looked really good. And West Ham, got they got a win in his debut, so yeah. that could look like a shrewd piece of business. Yeah, fact check, he played in Turkey, not China. But still, no, he, he looked really good the other day against Arsenal, and it's pretty dangerous. You get him with uh, Arnautovic and Anderson up top right now, and those yeah. three look pretty good. Yarm Lenko comes back as well. Yeah. It's a good so, team. Um, yeah. Nice little pickup for them. And then the last one, this isn't going to make a big impact right now, but huge waves as far as soccer world in general goes in America is Christian Pulisic to Chelsea. Yeah. I think we talked about it a little bit on the last pod. About, we talked about rumors with him. I yeah. Think. About like how it's going to be a big impact. That holds true here for the for the consistent listeners here. Like we talked a little bit about how it's going to open up a market and, and you know, American followers like the – they're immediately come next season, there's going to be a bunch of little kids running around with Chelsea Pulisic jerseys in the States. I think it's a shrewd bit of business for them. I don't think Pulisic will go straight into the starting team uh, because Chelsea do have the likes of William, Pedro, um, obviously Hazard rotating through the midfield. I don't think Pulisic is better than any of those three right now. Um, he probably has the capability to break into that mold. And you think about outside of those three, um, Chelsea have hodgson Adoy, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, they're kind of looking for another bit of a more wide player. Some of those players are a little bit more central. So I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good fit in the team at a good time. And uh, Pulisic has written a lot about it. He likes to write. Um, sends out like a Players Tribune all the time and posts some messages on uh, Twitter and Instagram. He seems super stoked about it, obviously. So good move all the way around, it looks like. Yeah, cool. I don't have anything else to say on that. Let's move on. So we're going to do a quick trivia here, and then we're going to do one other segment to, to round this out. So um, it's your turn for trivia, Jack. Your first performance that we did was not spectacular. You got moving five on, out of ten. On. I followed up with four out of five. Easier questions, but yeah. I don't think they were easier. They were just less, and I got a higher percentage. Um, I'm going to give you ten again, and this time I think you'll be good to get seven just because I'm going to give you 60 seconds here, but I will say that all of these are definitely guessable. Okay. Um, it's going to be Premier League specific. Isn't anything technically guessable? Yeah, but I mean, under the time constraints, these are all, like, every one that you don't get on here, you'll be like, ugh, I should have gotten that. Ugh, all right, let's hit it. Yeah, so I'm going to give you 60 seconds here. Name the 10 players on the list in any order. I will uh, let you know when you get them right. And don't worry about guessing anything wrong. 
60 seconds around the clock after I give you this. So it's going to be the 10 players with the most successful completed dribbles in the Premier League so far this season. Total dribbles this season successfully completed. 3, 2, 1, go. Uh, Eden Hazard. Yep. Mohamed Salah. Yep. Wilfred Zaha. Correct. Uh, Roberto Firmino. No. Sadio Mane. No. Raheem Sterling. Yes. Leroy Sané. Yes. Sergio Aguero. No. Bernardo Silva. No. Um, let's get to uh, Deli Alley. No. Christian no. Eriksen. No. Harry Kane. No. Some men. No. No players from. You got 25 seconds. You got five of them. So well, Mares. No. Um, He's at a wall. Yeah, I'm thinking of big teams. I can't go big teams anymore. Um, 15 seconds. Jorginho? No. N'Golo Kante? No. Um, You're thinking all wrong. 10 seconds. Should be wide players? Yeah, duh. Outside defenders or? I don't know. You have five seconds. Andres Townsend? No. Um, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry. We've been a little sick here. You, you had... Five guys in the first like twelve seconds. And yeah. You can get a single other one. You're gonna right, keep yourself on a lot of Who are the other five? Do you want me to give you any clues? You want me to yeah, I want clues. Okay. Uh, one of them is a Manchester United player. Uh, Lingard. No. Rashford. No. This Pogba. Yeah, Pogba. He was tenth. You missed yeah. a Palace player. I actually, th- I actually thought that. Um, you still don't know who it is, though, do you? Is it Juan Bissaka? Yeah, he was ninth. Wow. Um, the last three, all of them are from non-top six clubs. Ah, see, I was thinking too, I, when I went with everyone from Spurs and it was nobody from Spurs, that... One of them is known basically only for dribbling, former Villa player. Former Villa player known only... Also former Barcelona player. Oh, Adama Traore. He's fourth. Wow. Um, one of them is... Adama Traore's fourth and dribbles completed. He doesn't even play every game. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it is crazy. He has so it's players he who has are... 670 minutes played. The next lowest in the top 10 is Sané, 1242. Yeah, yeah. So he like, played half of what Sané has. Yeah, it's definitely players who pick the ball up and try and just run All right, people. So there's two left. One's from West Ham. I was going to say Arnautovic, no. but it's not him. It's It'll not. be Felipe Anderson. It is. He actually has more unsuccessful than successful, though. Wow. And then the last one, this one was the one I didn't think you'd get, but he's third. He's an English winger. Currently plays for Southampton. Oh, Nathan Redman. Yep. So that's the top ten. So um, wow. that performance was probably worse. It wasn't really easy, but you could have gotten all those. Yeah. You were guessing some, like, Jorginho? Well, Conte. I know he's a lot of passes completed. Yeah, but. And, and I know that, yeah. You got the first five so quick. I was attacking. Like, oh, shit, well, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was attacking it by team, and I was looking at the, the you know the top of the table first. Oh, man. It's a, that's a tough one because though because you can't segment it out like through the table. Like when you look at like the top salaries, you know it's going to be from like top teams in the table. But that, those can come from anywhere. Well, you got you know, any, to pick better next time, then. Yeah, Sorry. Right. that's. I fine. mean, that was a good one. Just I no, yeah, good trivia. Good all trivia. Right. All right, well, go be better next time. Okay, anyway, um, all right, we're getting to our last thing here. So we're doing this little. I guess stock market type thing. Um, not really, though. No, not really. For the rest of the 2019 here season, 2018-2019 season, over the next uh, four months, we're going to pick a team that we want to buy. So buy stock, they're going up, sell, uh, or hold. 
So basically teams that we think are going to get better the next half of the season, get worse, or stay the same. So Jack, go with your bye to start. Yeah, um, bye. I kind of touched on it earlier because of the head coach, um, Southampton. I'm in on Southampton. Simple because of the head coach change. I've watched them play a couple times since. High energy. Rebel Leipzig, we're a good team in the Bundesliga. We've seen some German coaches come to the Premier League and do pretty well. So high on Southampton. Okay, cool. Uh, the team that I'm going to buy for the second half here is West Ham. So they're actually up to ninth. I don't really see them getting a whole lot higher than that. Probably not higher than seven. So I don't want to get, get too crazy. But they're on the up. Um, I just watched them beat Arsenal this weekend 1-0. They looked really good. They, they definitely outclassed Arsenal. Yeah. They've always had some talent going forward, but they really started to figure it out more defensively, which I think is why they're going to be. Yeah, really it's good a Diop spot. looks really good. Their central defender. Yeah, um, Fabianski's good, and Felipe Anderson's coming to his own. Like he's been very, very good over the past couple of months. Declan Rice scored his first goal, was yeah. the winner the other day. He looked good. I really like West Ham coming into 2019, and Pellegrini I think has it all figured out there. I think they'll finish probably. I would put them at seventh probably now, looking at those teams. So. I'm buying West Ham. All right, who are you selling here? For the yeah, so sell. I'm I'm selling Watford. Um, I don't think Watford's like going to get relegated. I think they're actually playing really well. They just gave Javi Gracia a big contract, which Watford never do. Um, they're their manager, but I'm selling Watford because they're in seventh right now, and I don't think they're the seventh best team in the league. I think they're more around like the 13 to 15 range. Um, I've watched a couple of their wins. They've had a couple like fluke wins and a couple. Couple wins where like they just played Palace and Palace threw the game away. Yeah, any um, reasons you bias in this pick? Uh, maybe a little, Palace. but but <laughs> but nice but I've I've seen Palace throw a game away against them. Um, I've I've seen Bournemouth you know concede three times in five minutes against them. Um, and I've seen it. So I've seen a few teams play quite poorly against Watford. I think they have some decent players. Like I rate Dakure in the middle, um, but any team who plays Troy Deeney up top consistently, like I don't think Troy Deeney's top. 20 Premier League center forwards. Um, I could probably find a center forward probably on every team who I rate more highly than Troy Deeney. Um, so I, I, I'm selling Watford because they're in seventh. There's nowhere to go but down for that from them for the rest of the season. So sell on them right now. Yeah, I think that their stock is as high as it could possibly be. So in terms of stock market shenanigans, probably makes there sense. There you go. Trade, trade, trade. Sell, sell, sell. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. My sell is going to be Arsenal. So hear me out on this one. They're currently in fifth. They've won one of their last four. They play Chelsea this weekend. This is why I'm out on Arsenal. So they're in fifth right now. They've conceded 32 goals in 22 matches. Out of the top four teams right now, uh, Spurs have conceded the most out of those four teams. They've only conceded 22, so 10 less than Arsenal. That's a really big red flag for me. They haven't been as good defensively. Um... I don't know if they have enough creativity as well in their midfield at times. I think Aaron Ramsey has been really good. Ozil doesn't really fit in right now with the squad. You know, getting rid of Alexis Sanchez. You look at guys like Alex Awobi, Ainsley Nateland Miles, who I don't know if those guys are like top six quality right now or on the same level as some of these other clubs. And also, I think United stock is way, way up. So at this point, Arsenal, I don't see any way they're going to get in the top four, and I think they'll probably end up in sixth looking at the table right now. Yeah. So I'm gonna sell, I mean, that'd be a really big disappointment from where they started in the first month or two of the season if they finished in sixth. I think that's a pretty big bummer. Yeah, I I don't I, I guess I can understand the pick because, I mean, maybe a little recency bias given the, you know, we just watched them lose to 
to to West Ham. I do think though, like this is it's similar to the adversity at the beginning of the season for Arsenal, right? It's can Unamri figure it out? Can they get off to a hot start? And they did. They definitely they know where their area of opportunity is. It's defensive. Um, I expect them to try and strengthen here in the January window. If not, they'll address it next next season. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand it, and with Man United playing the, so well. The last point on them, and the other reason why I think it's a fair spot to put them in. So you mentioned, yeah, recency bias. They just lost to West Ham, but two matches ago they lost to Liverpool five one. Match before that, they drew Brighton 1-1. I think the biggest issue with Arsenal right now is I don't think they're going to be able to compete with top six clubs very well head-to-head because they've been so poor in the first half all season. They score almost all their goals in the second half, and you can do that against some of the smaller teams. Like You can have a huge second half against a Fulham or a Burnley like they have recently. You can't do that against Liverpool or Man City and play catch-up from the get-go. So I think they're in trouble. I don't think it's like... 9-1-1 fire Unai Emery, but I do think they'll probably finish sixth, and I think it's just really competitive in the top six now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then I'm going to give you my hold for the season. Uh, my hold, uh, keep on to them, because uh, they always come good, is Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur, um, again, at the beginning of the season, everyone was talking, they haven't spent any money, they haven't spent any money. Um, and we kind of talked about it in the pod, we were like, hold on, you know, they've got a really good core. Kane's only, what, 25? Um, Deli Alley's younger. Um, they're going to lose Sun to the Asian the Asian Cup, um, which is a loss. But then they still have Christian Eriksen. They still have they showed a they showed a lot of depth uh, over the holiday season as well, bringing in like Kyle Walker Peters and some players um, from from the kind of fringes of the squad. So they had an, they also yeah they've really incorporated Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko. Um, yeah, Musa Sissoko all of a sudden looks good. Well, they're, yeah, they're just dumping Dembele. He's a little bit old now. He's going to China, and they're just Sissoko's taking over. Yet yeah, I think. Credit to Pochettino, probably, because Sissoko looks like a completely different player. It's just crazy. I think I just think the the way they play, Pochettino might be, you know, uh, he's probably up there right now for best managers in the world. Because I would probably put him top two. It just seems like anyone who no, goes to that team, it, it, he's that kind of, you know, it's like one of the, like the these NCAA basketball coaches who like, you know, they they get a bunch of good recruits and anyone who goes to their team, like they get really good. Um, like a big school, it just kind of seems to run every year. It's kind of like that with Spurs. Like every year, they, just, they have so much momentum. They get the most of their players. The one concern I have for them right now, and which is why I maybe wouldn't hold them, is yes, Suns out for the Asian Cup, which could be all the way to February first, which doesn't seem like the end of the world, except that Harry Kane just picked up an ankle injury that's supposed to keep him out for four weeks. So. Sun would be like the natural replacement for Kane. They'd probably just start him alone up top. So the next few games would be really important for them. They could drop some points there. Yeah. Um, my hold, so we'll finish it up here. I'm going to go with Liverpool. And so the reason why I'm picking them is right now they're four points clear at the top of the table. And I expect them to remain there. I think uh, even with that loss to City here, I think they're the best team in the league. They've given up 10 goals all season. Um, they lost one game. It was to Man City 2-1, and they played well. I just expect them to keep firing. Salah's really coming into form. He's he's tied for first in the, the coming goals now. Um, Firmino started to score more, and I think Virgil van Dijk is the best defender in the world. I think Allison is very good. They just got some something around them right now where I think City will make it interesting, but I'm just thinking that they're going to hang tight and... Um, they got a bunch of depth still. I think they're going to go deep in some of these other cups and Champions League and whatnot too. So it could be interesting, but I think they're going to hold. And I think they're actually going to win the title. Adama Traore, how is he ever going to? Adama. Um, <laughs> he's with, a former Villa player. That with, was one of the easiest ones. With um, 
with Liverpool. I think we're going to mark it right here, January January 14th. So we're early in 2019. I think at this point in time, I'm going to I'm actually going to, I'm going to hold firm on Manchester City that prediction that I had at the end of the season for them to win the title. You've officially gone in. I flipped. He flipped. flipped. He's flipped. Gone, gone in on Liverpool. We, we had them, when win. we talked at the beginning of the season, we had them 1-2, and, and I said it was really, really close. I said those were the two. And I still, I'm ready I, to say that I think Liverpool are going to finally do it, and I I don't know. I, I feel bad saying that because I like City a lot too. Yeah, I, City I, look good still. I think uh, I went and I watched City lose to uh, Crystal Palace um, less than a month ago. And I'm still going to sit here on the pod and say that I think City is going to win the title at the end of the season. I think there's a lot of games still to play. I think the Champions League is obviously going to provide a, uh, prove to be a challenge later on in the year. Um, and I just think City have done there, or been there, they've done it before, and they just won the head-to-head matchup, which is so crucial. Um, I, I'm, I'm sticking with them. So that's that, that's where we're going to have to match up uh, on the pod uh, moving forward. Um, and you'll you'll hear updates because I'm still on the City you know City side, and Chris is on the Liverpool side. Um, don't say that. Well, you are. You're, you're all in. You're all in. You're red. Yeah, you start wearing gross. red underwear and shit to work. No, um, no. All right. So from here, uh, we did this little uh, bo- uh, Boxing Day trivia um, at the Ridgeway household. We had a bunch trivia, of people. Really. Not trivia. Well, kind of. Just like fun questions, I guess. Yeah. That's um, like a rapid fire segment. Yeah, a little rapid time. fire segment. That's why I saved as on, on my computer. Um, so we hit people with a bunch of rapid fire questions about the Premier League. Had them give us uh, their, their answers after a few pints. Um, so we're going to be just featuring ones to close out the pod here. Um, for over the next couple of weeks. So we're going to hit you with Nick Harbin's recording here in a second. Yeah, but uh, we'll send you off on that. Otherwise, uh, thanks for hanging with us. We'll have something out new pretty soon here. Kind of keep you updated on the transfer window, what's happening in the Prem. But appreciate you listening. Just goes to show. Everybody's human. Thanks, guys. All right, our next guest, Nick Harmon. Welcome to the podcast. Just goes to show. Uh, fun fact about Nick: he's six foot seven, and his favorite food is chili cheese fries. Welcome, Nick. All right, Nick. Rapid fire. Three, two, one, go. Favorite Premier League player: Luka Milivojevic. Least favorite Premier League player: Antonio Valencia. Favorite keeper: David De Gea. Best style in the Premier League: Sergio Aguero. Favorite manager. Jose Mourinho. If you played, what position would you play? Center back. Favorite football pint? Carlsberg. Favorite in-ground pie? Chicken balti. Favorite FIFA 18 team to play with? Palace. Start, sit, captain, these next three players. Salah, Hazard, Kane. Captain, Aguero. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't in it. He was not in the rules. <laughs> uh, um, starts at captain. Yeah. So so start Salah, captain Hazard, sit Kane. Easy. Well done. Thank you, Nick. That was bad.